The Old Testament lesson this morning is Isaiah 42, 5 through 9. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Our New Testament reading from Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And our gospel reading, the scripture upon which our reflection is based this morning, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, we ask that you would be with us even now as we listen to your words being reflected upon, as we listen to your words read with their power from wherever we are. We ask that you would be present with us, that your grace would be real, that your hope would be all that we need in these uncertain times. We pray that we may know the certainty of who you are, not just in your personhood, but who you are for us. And would you speak to us? And would you give us your grace and your love right now through your words? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, or whatever time it is as you're listening to this recording right now. It's about 6.30 in the morning on Sunday, and I'm sitting in my office, and I'm wishing that I was preparing to be with you this morning in worship. But these are new and unique times, and we have the opportunity to be God's people uh, wherever we are, however we are. And so as you're listening and as you're worshiping with your family and your friends, I pray God's peace upon you, and I pray that this reflection on our opportunity to be salt and light in the world would be an encouragement and maybe a challenge in the best possible way for you this morning. We are living certainly in, as we live in this unique moment in our world and in our lives, as the coronavirus continues to spread and we seek to be wise as we respond to it, not just as 
a church, but as people who live in a city, who live in this world connected to one another. Uh, we want to do it well, and we know that we can do that with God's help. We know that we have nothing to fear because Jesus has conquered sin and death itself in his death and in his resurrection, and so it affords us as his followers an opportunity to recognize that we are indeed interconnected and the coronavirus is a great example reminding us just how much that is true. And I'm not talking about the contagious nature of the virus in terms of our connection to one another. I'm more reflecting upon the reality that we are interconnected in the ways that we engage and respond. And as we seek to care for one another and to be wise about mitigating the spread of the virus, we recognize that we don't live as autonomous individuals. We live together. We live at our best for one another. And we can live for one another because ultimately, in Jesus, we have nothing to fear. We can take his command to heart and be encouraged that no matter what the storm of life is, he has seen it, he has experienced it, he knows it, he knows us in it, and he loves us. And he is capable of doing everything that we need for life and flourishing, regardless of the circumstances of our lives. Do not fear, Jesus says. And my encouragement to you is to lean into that in the days and in the weeks ahead. And as you do, as you take Jesus in, not just his words, but his very person, and as you live with his spirit in you, my hope and prayer is that you would be able to live him out, to love and to serve and to care, to do it boldly and wisely, but courageously as well, to be, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, salt and light for the world and for the earth. Dale Frederick Bruner, one of my favorite pastor, theologian, commentators on this passage in Matthew, said something that has really struck me that I've been chewing on and wrestling with a little bit myself. He says this, Jesus gives his disciples the second best blessing of all, being useful to the world. He goes on to say that the deepest desire of Christians after loyalty to God and Jesus is to be used by Jesus to help people. Did you catch what he said there? The greatest blessing of all for a disciple of Jesus is communion with God himself through Jesus. But the second greatest blessing is to be useful to the world. And that the second deepest desire of a Christian is to be used by Jesus to help people. My first response was, I don't know. I don't know if that's true of me right now. If, by God's grace, my deepest desire right now is communion and connection with God and Jesus, then I think my second greatest desire is to be safe, for my family to be safe, for my community to be safe. Is my second greatest desire truly to be able to love and serve others, to be used by Jesus to help people? If it's not right now, then at least I can say this. I know it ought to be, and I want it to be. I would love for my second deepest desire right now, in the midst of the spread of coronavirus, to be a desire to be used by Jesus to help people. And he shows us how. We have the opportunity to be salt and to be light. 
If you remember, if you've been with us for the past weeks, Jesus has burst onto the scene and he's preached that the kingdom of heaven has arrived because he has arrived. The kingdom of heaven, that is the gracious and peaceable rule of God over our lives, is here because Jesus, the true king, is here. It's a kingdom in which we are able to live no longer upside down, but right side up. It's a kingdom of grace for everyone who will receive it to come in and to live the life that we're meant to live. And it raises an interesting question, which is this, where is the kingdom of heaven? Where do we live out and live into this kingdom, this gracious rule of God as Jesus' followers? Is the kingdom to be in Jerusalem? That's what the disciples surely thought originally, that Jesus would come and set up shop, take over the Romans, establish God's people again in Jerusalem as the true nation. But as Jesus will go on to teach throughout the Gospels, the kingdom is not that kind of kingdom. It doesn't reside in Jerusalem or New York City or the hills of Idaho or anywhere else. Well, perhaps the kingdom then is the new heavens and the new earth when God returns. It's the kingdom that exists then and there when heaven and earth will be one at the end of time. Maybe the kingdom resides in that future place. But Jesus makes clear in the Beatitudes, no, there is a way to live into and experience the reality of the kingdom right now. Where is the kingdom? Perhaps the kingdom then is a spiritual kingdom. Perhaps it exists when we gather for worship or when we can't gather for worship. Perhaps it exists in our prayer closet or perhaps It exists in our personal space of devotion. Perhaps the kingdom is interior, a spiritual connection between ourselves and God. Perhaps the kingdom, there's of course some truth in these. The kingdom will come in its full one day when Jesus returns, and it will be a glorious day. The kingdom does involve our personal spiritual relationship with God. But Jesus, as he moves from the Beatitudes into the meat of the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, makes it abundantly clear that the kingdom of heaven can and ought to be experienced right now in the midst of our ordinary, everyday lives. The kingdom exists in the midst of the world. And so he calls his followers to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. The kingdom is to be experienced and lived in the midst of and engaging with and impacting our world, our neighbors, our lives, our global pandemics, whatever is happening. We're to live the kingdom right here, right now. In other words, the kingdom is living as God's people by his grace in the world for the sake of the world. And think about the imagery of salt and light for a moment. Salt can only be effective and be useful if it's engaged with the food that it's meant to bring flavor and preserving to. The anti-image of what Jesus is talking about for me is a beautiful meal that you've lovingly prepared for your family or your roommates, and you've done everything well except you forgot the one critical ingredient. You forgot to salt it. 
but all is not lost because here's your meal on the table and there's a salt shaker sitting right next to your meal. And all you have to do is sprinkle the salt onto the meal and the day is saved. But if that salt sits in the salt shaker, then it's not being salt at all. If we're not sprinkled as God's people into the world for the sake of the world, then we are not salt at all. Think about light. Light is meant to be seen. If it can't be seen, then what good is it in its job of bringing clarity or direction or a sense of hope? If you're driving north on Burnett and you swung onto Burnett off of 45th and you look up as you're driving, you'll see on the top of a hill, as it seems, at least as hilly as it gets in the flats of Austin, the HEB sign. You can't miss it. It's right there directly in your vision and it's there because it's meant to be seen. It's meant to draw you in. That's its job. If we, as God's people, are light that can't be seen because our light isn't shining in our particular lives, then we're not actually being light. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He's giving us these images to communicate this fundamental truth that we're meant to live God's kingdom right here in the midst of our ordinary lives, which means we have a wonderful, amazing opportunity to live as God's people in the midst of these unique and difficult and trying times that we're experiencing, and we're experiencing together as a culture and as a community. And God's kingdom isn't a place that we go to hide from this reality. God's kingdom is our opportunity to live for him, with him, for the good of our neighbors, right in the midst of the circumstances of our lives. These images of salt and light not only remind us that we are called and invited to live kingdom lives right here in the midst of our world, even more deeply they are a call and a reminder, an encouragement that we are to live in the midst of our lives for the good and for the sake of others. And so it brings us right back to the question, is our second greatest desire as followers of Jesus Our first desire being communion with him is our second greatest desire, the ability to be useful and helpful to others. And if so, Jesus says, here's how you do it. Be salt and be light. Be salt, be a beneficial influence. Whatever the metaphor of salt means, it means at least this. It means that we are meant to be beneficial and we are meant to influence, right? Salt You know what salt does. Salt flavors food. Uh, In the ancient world, salt did that job, but it also did a probably more important job, and that is it preserved food. It acted as a hindrance to the decay of food so that you could enjoy it now or you could enjoy it a few days later. Images to think about as we consider what it would mean to be useful and helpful for others in our lives right now. That as salt, we are meant to bring flavor, to enhance and add to the goodness of our everyday ordinary lives. And we are to be a preserving agent. We are to help push against, we are to help push against anything that is degrading the quality of life of our friends and our neighbors. 
We are to be salt, which means we are to come in contact with food, and we are to be tasted. We are light, which means we are to shine in darkness, and we are to be seen. What does light do? Well, light shines the way. Light pushes into darkness, and light brings hope. God's people from the beginning were called to be a light to the nations, meaning they were to live with God in such a compelling way that the nations would be able to look at them and see, ah, there is the way to be human beings in God's world. Now I see the way. They were to be a sign of hope that things could be different from the ordinary and from the dehumanizing ways that we so often live with and against one another. God's people were to live in such a way that they pushed against all the dark ways that we as humans so often live for ourselves at the expense of others. The image that comes to my mind uh, when I think of how to be light, particularly right now in our current climate, is the image of a simple nightlight. When it's really, really dark, a nightlight doesn't have to be very bright. But if you can see it at all, It shows you the way to get to where you need to go in the middle of the night. And, maybe more importantly, and you young children know this, a nightlight gives you hope that darkness is not the way that the world always is. It gives you hope that as there's a little bit of light shining right in the middle of the night, there's day coming in which brightness and lightness rules and reigns. It brings hope. That little nightlight brings hope. Friends, if you're listening to this and you're a follower of Jesus, and by grace you've been brought into his kingdom, you are kingdom people, and you are invited to live the kingdom life right here and right now by being salt and light. You are invited to lean into the second greatest desire of a follower of Jesus, to be useful and helpful to others around you. And what might it look like to be salt to be a beneficial, preserving, and flavoring agent in the lives of others around us. I think in the days ahead, there will be many tangible ways to be of use to others around us on our blocks and in our workplaces, and when we make our trips to the grocery store. Perhaps it will be a neighbor who, because of fear or just a physical inability, perhaps old age is unable to get to a grocery store, and pick up their groceries, and we'll have the opportunity to make that grocery run for them. Perhaps as we are more and more socially isolated from one another for very, very good reasons and purposes, perhaps being salt will look like a ministry of encouragement through social media, texts, maybe phone calls, maybe letter writing of encouragement, just reaching out to others to let them know that You are there, you are thinking of them, you are praying for them. The opportunities will come. But one way that we can be salt right now as followers of Jesus is our ability to be calm, to trust in him and his care for us, and to be confident that this too shall pass, and to even be of good cheer. Wherever we go, whatever we do, to be calm and to be of good cheer to be salty for our neighbors. I'm confident that in the days and weeks to come, 
we'll have plenty of opportunities to be light. And I want to focus right now just on the one aspect of light that I mentioned, and that is hope. Friends, because the kingdom has come in Jesus, because he has conquered death for us, we can have true hope. Hope that is attached to him and not to circumstances working out well for us. This means we don't have to be naive optimists, pretending that everything is just fine, whistling in the dark. No, we can acknowledge that risk is real and that these are challenging times. But on the other hand, we don't have to give in to despair because it doesn't matter what happens in the circumstances of our lives. It truly doesn't matter what happens as the coronavirus runs its course in our communities in the ultimate sense of things, because Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ is coming again. Leslie Newbigin was an Anglican bishop and a missionary to India, was once asked, are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? And he said, neither. He said, I'm neither an optimist nor a pessimist. I don't have to be because Christ is risen. Friends, be careful, be wise. But do not fear and have hope and live that hope, especially when you're living around somebody who is experiencing a lack of hope. Let that light of Jesus shine through you to them. I trust you're encouraged right now. My prayer is that you're not overwhelmed. But if you are, let me encourage you with this as we close our time. If you're feeling overwhelmed at the idea of being salt and light for your neighbors for the long term, if you're wondering how in the world you'll be able to keep as your second greatest desire, maybe you're wondering how in the world you can keep your first desire to be set upon relationship with God, and then your second desire to be to love and care and seek the good of your neighbor. If that's overwhelming to you, be of good cheer. Be encouraged. Jesus does not say, Go be salt and light, and then you can be my kingdom people. He doesn't say, hey, here's an audition. Here's your great opportunity to show that you can be salt and light for me. And if you can, then the kingdom is yours. No, Jesus says, you are salt. You are light. Because you are kingdom people. And you are salt and light already because of the grace of God that has been offered to you in Jesus Christ. You don't have to go out and become who you want to be, caring people for others. You are. Now go live into that. The pressure's off. Even so, maybe you're asking, as I'm asking, but how can I? Where does the ability to give myself away sacrificially to others come from? For the duration And the answer is, of course, Jesus. The ability comes from Jesus. Not only is he our great example of how to live as salt and light, how to live filled with hope for the good of others, not only is he our example, he is our ability, and his spirit is in us. Our lives are united to his. And friends, we know this. At the end of the day, what we have to offer to our friends and neighbors around us, the only thing that we have to offer in the way of salt and light is Jesus in us. 
as much of Jesus as we have, that's what we get to offer. And so how can you be salt and light? Lean into Jesus. Connect with Jesus. Go after your greatest desire, communion with Jesus. Go to him in worship. Go to him in prayer. Go to him in his word. Go to him with your family. Go to him with your roommates. Go to him as you wisely and carefully connect with friends as staff and leadership at Grace and Peace. We're going to be working hard in the days to come to find new and creative ways to be able to worship and connect with one another, though we can't gather. Avail yourselves of them. Now more than ever, push into your relationship with Jesus, because the more that he's in you, the more he'll come out of you as salt and as light. And I'll leave you with this confidence. If Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 gives us the second greatest blessing of all, being useful to the world, then surely he will also give us the ability to live into that blessing. Jesus, would you do just that? We'll give you the glory. We pray in your name. Amen.